0: Welcome to the Med Street Journal. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Med Street Journal. My name is Rodney Hu, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. Today I'm with Matthew Gibbs, president of commercial markets for Capital RX, the fastest growing PBM in America. Uh, Matt is a pharmacist by background, but has a various leadership positions for both national health plans and several PBMs for over 20 years. So I'm excited to have him on and kind of learn more about his journey and what he's been working on over at Capital RX. Um, so with that being said, Matthew, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey Rodney, thanks for having me today, and uh, excited to talk about Capital RX and uh, our unique model in the market.
0: Yeah, definitely. So why don't we just jump into it? Why don't you give people a quick background of kind of how you got into the healthcare industry and what kind of led you to Capital Rx?
1: Sure. So how I got into healthcare is a very vulnerable story, but I'm going to share it anyway. Um, most of my family are physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners. Everybody is medical. And, you know, I was pretty confident that's the route I wanted to go. And I'll never forget I was in a VA hospital and my dad happened to be the attending, but I was there on doing an internship for my pharmacy degree. And some guy yanked his IV out and I saw blood and I collapsed to the ground. So I was very sure at that point that I was not going to be um, a real physician at that point, at least point of care with patients, but still love the aspects of healthcare and moved into kind of the payer side of things after getting my pharmacy degree. So embarrassing story, but it led me to where I am today um, and with the folks here at Capital Rx.
0: Nice, nice. So we got a there's a couple of topics that I kind of want to ask you about. Um, I know that your company deals with a lot of uh, drug pa- transparency for pricing and stuff. And uh, I know you guys launched the newest PBM processing platform. So why don't you kind of explain a little bit about that and um, kind of sure. what that is?
1: Sure. So for decades now, there's been lots of talk both in the pharmacy industry itself as well as the general public um, about the cost of prescription drugs and really in particular the cost of them in the United States compared to where how the costs are globally and the affordability of medications and access of medications I mean has been an issue since since definitely I was a child so that's a long time ago Um, but unfortunately what has happened in the market is is that no one has ever taken the time to look at the fundamental issue which is going to the core of how drugs are actually priced if you would ask anyone, even in the industry, how drugs are priced, no one's really gonna have an answer for you. In fact, most employers provide benefits to their employees and those employers' contracts with organizations like myself, what are called pharmacy benefit managers, actually don't have prices in them. And you might kind of wonder, well, how can you have a contract where there's no pricing? So, like, if you and I go and fill our cars up with gas, and we see a gas station that has two ninety nine for a gallon, and the one across the street, this is four ninety nine, we both know which gas station is going to be out of business within two or three weeks. Yeah. But in drugs, when you go to a pharmacy, you have no idea as as a consumer is one pharmacy cheaper than the other across the street? Is it better to go to the independent or the chain or to a, or to a mass merchandiser pharmacy? You have no idea, and the reason that is is that pharmacy benefit managers have put themselves in between you and I the consumer and the seller which is the pharmacy itself so we've created a clearinghouse model that basically allows buyers and sellers to actually communicate like they're doing everywhere else in our customer buying patterns and actually allow members to see the price of drugs at pharmacies and make decisions for themselves and for the first time that's being done There's some belief that some of the older uh, PBMs have done that in the market with their transparent models. But the difference in ours is that we actually apply a completely different pricing methodology. We use a government price that's called NADAC. I won't get into what the acronym means, but it basically is a publicly available price list that anybody can pull up on the internet and literally see what the price of a drug is. And those prices are based on what actual retail pharmacies buy drugs for. So it's their cost. You understand that they have a markup as a buyer, and then you can make your choice of what pharmacy to buy your drug. Today, none of that applies. There's this very opaque, random pricing system that has nothing to do with what drugs cost that 99% of the U.S. purchases drugs from. And it's by design. It allows other PBMs, unlike ours, to grow in profitability as they have.
0: Nice. And so when you're talking about like drug pricing, it's crazy because like you're not the first person to kind of like tackle this problem. Right. I mean, people have been aware of it. People have been trying to figure it out. But just from like a foundational level, the fact that like one company can sell the same drug essentially at 10x the price and still actually like get away with it, apparently. But like what have you guys seen that your competitors were doing? And competitors are competitors, I mean, like other people tackling the whole drug transparency. Um, mm-hmm. What have you seen that they don't do that you guys do and that you guys that you sure. really like?
1: Sure. so they they rely on this. you know, I mentioned ninety nine percent of the drug market uses a different um, uh, scenario than I mentioned before in terms of having a published price list. They use something called average wholesale price. and you hear the term called awP. Um, You'll also hear it termed as ain't what's paid, <laughs> because it's essentially a quote-unquote self-reported um, drug price that comes from drug manufacturers to a third party, a publicly traded third party, I might add, that uh, organizations have to pay to get this file that has this AWP price on it. Um, what's interesting is when you look at this AWP pricing even the entity that's selling this to PBMs and to health plans and to pharmacies, they admit that it is not a direct reflection of actual drug pricing, but it is the cornerstone of what everybody, including the US government, uses to buy drugs. So it's officially a fictitious number. It's not reliable, but it's the cornerstone of how drugs are priced. We remove that using an alternative pricing mechanism, the NADAC uh, reference I mentioned before. <clears throat> as the reference price that you and I could look up anytime on the internet, you won't find AWP on the internet. You have to pay to see it. And then even when you get it, it's still not a good reflection of what actual drug prices are.
0: Nice. And so I know when it comes to the drugs, you have like the actual patients or the consumers and you actually they have the buyers, like the health organizations and whatnot. And so how are you going about bringing awareness of what you guys are doing in the market to these audiences and is the approach different compared to one or the other?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. and I think it's something that's still evolving even in our own thinking. Um, the whole health insurance market, whether you're a health plan, a PBM, um, a dental provider, whatever you may be, is pretty much guided by consultants and brokers. And so we can't get into a lot of those customers um, to you know any employer of any meaningful size and talk to them about our model without having buy-in or understanding from their trusted advisor, their consultant or broker. So we spent the last year or probably a year and a half educating that community so that we are brought in as an alternative model. And there's a ton of excitement about it. We had 400% revenue growth over the last year and it's driven by the very fact that the market is so hungry for something different. Everybody's tried the big three PBM and health plans. Everybody's been through it. They don't get the savings they expected. They don't get the transparency they thought they'd get. And you know, now we're trying legislative things to make things work. And so employers and payers in general are hungry for somebody that is doing something totally different not relying on the current mechanisms that are available, but having a good alternative that's reliable, functional, and auditable that, that they can use. So we tackle the consultants and broker first. We're now launching into more direct-to-consumers so that uh, employees and actual employers understand more about that. We're doing that through um, search engine optimization as well as well um, as well as discussions like this.
0: Yeah, okay. So really just doing anything you can to create content around the topics of price transparency pretty much so like creating content around that and putting it out in into the community and what have you felt has been like the most effective whether it's been like blogging or doing interviews like this and just kind of creating Mm -hmm. long-form content or like webinars or what sort of content do you feel has been most effective in sharing your message out?
1: So for me personally, Rodney, I got here in April, so I've not met anyone face-to-face since I've been here. So (laughs) everything I've done, yeah, everything I've done has been virtual. Um, But I will say where it is the most impactful, um, so I've been in PBMs for 20 years, and I've worked for four different PBMs throughout that time frame. I never got to talk directly to an employer, just me and them in the room talking about what we think about healthcare and what our goals are with pharmacy. There's always a consultant and advisor and that's fine, but they are the gatekeeper. In this role, I'm starting to have those conversations direct with big, big employers because they're saying, you know what? I trust my consultant, but I also want to hear direct from the horse's mouth on this new model because I'm not sure my gatekeeper or consultant will necessarily articulate it 100%. So, where we are most effective is when we have those direct conversations. And actually, even when the consultant is there, it's fine. Um, but <clears throat> allowing us to deliver our message and not frame it as, oh, this is just a distraction in the market, you know, you got to go with the big guys, um, which, which that can happen as well, allows us to optimize our, our conversation and, and obviously help our close rate on getting new customers.
0: Yeah, for sure. Cause I feel like, man, you got the energy, you got the expertise. Like I feel like you know what you're talking about. All you have to do is like get in front of somebody and kind of explain that value to them. And so, like, how are you actually starting these conversations? I know you mentioned like consultants and gatekeepers, but it's like, do you go to them and then they connect you? Or is it more ideal to bypass them?
1: Like, um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's ideal to bypass, it's a combination, you know. If I again I think I kind of sit in a unique seat. And you know, I don't think an average salesperson could, you know, that's three years into this industry could necessarily do this, but I've been doing this long enough. I've spoken at enough conferences. Um, and I'm actually a pharmacist. That's the funny thing you'll find is that in healthcare, there's this big absence of healthcare people in executive management. And it's really sad because. You know, I can tell that story about an IV ripping out and me hitting the floor. <laughs> and, but I also worked at a pharmacy for nine years, so I know what the patient experience is like. But if you look across PBM organizations, there's not a clinician in the rounds, um, at least on the business side. You know, they may be doing, you know, clinical work in their formulary areas or things like that. But I think having some of that credibility, which is why we, and another, another unique factor, we made all of our account managers pharmacists. So when our clients call with questions, they're not talking to an account manager with all due respect, who I'm sure has a great business background, but they don't know the first thing about medication. And so we have put the clinician front and center, not only in the executive ranks, but also in our client facing strategy, which shockingly, you might shake your head. Most employers don't get to talk to a pharmacist and they're spending millions of dollars on their drug benefit, which is just makes no sense. So that that's allowed a lot of more robust, meaningful conversations as well.
0: Nice. So I think that's where you're valuable, like you said, because you don't under not only do you understand the business aspect, but you can lean back on your healthcare expertise as well to kind of put together all the pieces of the puzzle and really
1: right. the relevancy evaluate. of it is becoming less and less as older I get and the less <laughs> I move away from clinical practice. But um it is an advantage for sure.
0: Nice, nice. And so you mentioned how you guys developed a new pricing model and stuff like that compared to what's been available in the past. And like what sort of results has that gotten for you guys and has that brought to the market really? Sure. Yeah, so we've seen about
1: a 13% decrease in average drug costs for clients that come to us. And that's not a year one out of the gate. It's year over year. Um, and what drives that are several factors. One is the pricing model I mentioned prohibits us as a PBM for, you know, paying the pharmacy one thing and charging our customer another and keeping that spread. A lot of PBMs make their money there. We can't under our model because it's a public price list. You would know if we were doing it, so we can't do it. Um, the other piece is, is, that we don't put in quote unquote clinical programs or enhanced services that, at the end of the day, drive a payers or even an employee's utilization. Um, and just end up costing the plan more money. And that can be around you know having uh, mandatory refills, where they, you know, they have uh, automatic refill reminders, things like that. And while those are good, a lot of employers end up without even knowing it, signing up for auto refill programs through their retailer, which if you're a certain retailer, you own your own PBM and your own health plan. So you love filling those prescriptions all day long, regardless if people need them or not. And so we make sure that those things are not done um, a lot of people measure, well, you're affecting someone's adherence. And I'm like, just because someone has the bottle in the cabinet doesn't mean they're taking it. So it has nothing to do, you know, with, with how adherent someone is. But again, that's where kind of the clinical discussion happens. And everybody thinks they're doing the right thing and they want to do the right thing. But unfortunately, PBMs have taken advantage of that and leveraged it to actually actually raise prescription drug costs. And we're able to take those programs out and decrease costs without causing member disruption
0: nice man I like how you got the you got the numbers right off top of the head <laughs> <laughs> I like it and I really like because this this topic like tri- price transparency is important but we're talking about pricing and drugs and all that but I feel like at the core root it's people over prices like we're more focused on the people right. and their experience more than the price of drugs really it's just in order to improve that patient experience and like what yes. they feel, Pricing does become in like come into play, and so that's the problem that you guys are tackling to kind of help with that process for them,
1: right? And and the other part of it is I mean, a lot I've said this for like 20 years, but it always seems like it's a new statement when I say it. Um, the most accessed part of healthcare is pharmacy. You don't go to the doctor every month, but you get that prescription refill. You go to the pharmacy, you maybe see a pharmacist. <laughs> you definitely are in, in, engaged with a technician as you're getting your prescription, but it's the most accessed part of healthcare, and it's so under leveraged. How many businesses would love the fact that they have at least every month a guarantee that their members are going to connect with them? And so we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of that to the members' benefit through our consumer tools, through our app, through our web, and make sure that we're engaging them in meaningful ways. Whether if it's lower cost meds they could be getting that you know based on the the cost mechanisms and what was prescribed, or whether they're better getting something at mail service because they're on a chronic med versus 90 days, so they're not having to you know deal with that every 30 days. But doing the right thing for each member individually, and then doing it through that medium, and it's just so underutilized. I mean. I think any business would kill to know they're guaranteed a contact with their patient or their member or patient every month. That just isn't anywhere else and it's not been used effectively in pharmacy.
0: Oh, man, okay. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, dropping a lot of knowledge bombs here for me. And so <laughs> when, when dealing with all this, what's, what do you think has been the biggest hurdle, biggest challenge that um, you guys as a company has had to overcome?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't want to underscore how well we've done. I mean, I've most organizations I've been at, if if we would implement two hundred thousand, you know, net new lives, we say so that's members coming on to our plan. That is a killer year, and that's usually if your organization's ten years old. Well, we're two and a half years old, and we're implementing north of four hundred thousand lives on January first, which is unheard of. Which is why we can make the statement about being the fastest growing PBM. But we do have our challenges. I think we could have grown double if it weren't for some of the challenges. And one is the fact that 70% of our marketplace is dominated, I'll call it an oligopoly, by three major players. And all those players um, are either owned or they own a major health plan. And they own administrators who do even broader work for companies. So they have lots of tentacles inside organizations and you have to kind of bull your way through to be heard and, and make your value proposition. So that's the hardest part for us is that, you know, for whatever reason, the market and the feds have allowed um, this oligopoly to take place. And um, that remains, you know, a constant challenge for us. The good news is at the end of the day, the employers and employees are paying the bills and their voice is louder than any carrier that's out there. And if they're advocating for us, which is what we're working towards, that is our best tool Um, It works out for them. It works out for us and we go in it together. So that's probably number one. Number two is just we've been around two and a half years. So if you're a huge employer and and they're there, believe it or not, there are those out there that spend a billion dollars a year in just drugs for their employees you know, their their CFO might say, I'm not sure I want to do a purchase order for a billion dollars with a company that's been around two and a half years. <laughs> so they might be ready when we're five years old, but it's just the name recognition and length in the market, which that's going to solve itself here in the next year or two um, as we get into that upmarket, bigger employers um, and health plan business.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because like when you think of healthcare and you think of like the big companies, you always think of like the big name people, right? But- Capital Rx and like many other companies out there, whether you're startup or a little bit past startup, it's hard to compete with the larger, more established organizations. And I feel like they have a larger market share. They have a lot of the say and authority on like kind of the rules. Um, So what sort of advice would you have to other professionals, other companies who are trying to compete with these larger, these larger companies, you know?
1: Right. Um, I would say if you if you want to continue to do it the same way the large companies do and try to say your service is better or you know a client will be a big fish in a small pond so they'll get more attention that has a limited life cycle on it cuz all it takes is one of those big guys to change their pricing and outbid you and you're going you're going to likely lose that business um, you have to do something totally different so our, our model as I as I referenced you can't really compare it to one of the the larger organizations, and they ref and generally they refuse to quote business the way we do. And do you know why? Because they're not going to make 20% margin like they do today. They're going to make five, <laughs> which is what they should make in healthcare. So it's it's a uh, it's 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 you have to challenge it enough and not just do it with PR and marketing, but go to the core of the fundamentals, whatever whatever is driving the actual dynamics and change it. If you don't change that, the rest is just window dressing and doesn't mean much.
0: Damn, that's crazy. So like, <laughs> ideally, it should be 5% because that would be that that would be fair, right? But if it's at 20%, it's like, man, like, why are they doing that? <laughs> you know. Well, it's, it's
1: uh this may surprise you. But I think most people think, you know, drug companies, they make so much money. They're the problem, right? Like you hear that all the time. Drug companies make too much money. If you look at a 15 year span Drug companies have made between negative 28 and 80% in, in their earnings increase. So basically is an average flat, which is shocking to people. Health plans, 1000% increase in earnings over the last 15 years. Damn. So we're sitting here really shaking our hand at the wrong entity and trying to do things both governmentally and societally that are looking at the wrong thing.
0: Damn, okay. And then you guys are just bringing awareness to what the right thing should be, yeah. right? how things yeah. should be. Nice. Exactly, exactly,
1: exactly. Just telling the truth.
0: <laughs> I know, transparency, truth. I like it. So, I mean, we're coming up towards the end of the interview. we sure. will be covering a lot of important topics relating to drug prices and uh, transparency and how you guys are actually helping patients um, and educating them, really getting your message out. Um, but I like to end on a little more lighter exercise with something sure. I call the rapid fire round.
1: Oh, boy. All right.
0: <laughs> so I'm just going to ask you a list of questions and you just give me whatever answer you come up with.
1: All right, let's do it. All
0: right. Question number one. What is your favorite book of all time?
1: Um, I believe it's from 2009 or 10. So it's a little old, but it's called Seizing the White Space by Mark Johnson. Um It's just a great book. And it's good for anybody that's in an entrepreneurial business that wants to build structure and build a meaningful company that's not just built on, you know, mission and philosophy, which is great, but uh, really kind of practically pulls things together. I've enjoyed, helped me through this career and many others.
0: Nice. And that's not just for healthcare, that's an entrepreneur in general?
1: Anything, yes.
0: Okay, nice. Check that out. Uh, Number two, who is the most influential person in your life or career?
1: I probably have one for each, if that's okay. So career, um, believe it or not, it was Greg Wasson. He was the former CEO of Walgreens, but at the tender age of 25, he asked me to take over the pharmacy benefit division of Walgreens when they had one uh, and took a big chance on me and really propelled my career and uh, forever in his debt on that one. And lifetime uh, from a a life standpoint, it's uh, probably my husband, Uh, who keeps me honest, makes me laugh, and uh, lets me get out of this serious statistical mode I've been in today.
0: (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Shout out to them. Shout out to them. Um, Three, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year? Well,
1: let's forget 2020 because I haven't been able to do anything. (laughs) So so I'll go with uh, 2021. I 100% want to spend more time with my my extended family, my parents are getting into their late seventies and kind of this year is kind of a write-off. So gonna definitely uh, do a little more there than I have in the past.
0: Okay. Awesome. And then last but not least, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self?
1: Mm, well, since it was only a few years ago, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would have to say, um, uh, don't, don't be afraid to be yourself sooner than you were because it's, as soon as that was realized, um, it opened up so many doors and allowed me to to work and function in my full potential. So that would be my advice.
0: Awesome. I think that's an excellent piece of advice and a perfect way to end an amazing um, Knowledge packed episode. Um, so, Matthew, I just want to thank you again for jumping on and kind of sharing what you guys are doing in the healthcare industry and uh, how you guys are trying to tackle some major problems, I'd say, um, with Capital Rx. So, um, yeah, just want to say thank you. And uh, where can people connect with you and learn more about um, Capital Rx?
1: Sure. So, you can connect with me personally at gibbs at cap rx.com, or you can also visit uh, cap capital Rx on LinkedIn, which is a great way to connect. And we post constantly new studies, new information.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And I'll be sure to include those links in the show notes for people to check out. Um, But other than that, catch you guys on the next one. Take care.